0: I want you to get your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 14. Starting in verse 15. What we have determined to this point over the last 2 weeks is as we've been in Exodus now for 2 weeks, this is our third week. This is the third and final message of this 3-week series. That if you've been keeping up with, great. If you missed a week or two somewhere in between there, get on the website, download that, and hear it. Because I really believe it's going to be a blessing to you. But here's what we've learned uh, in a nutshell over the last two weeks. The first week, we, we talked about the desert experience. And we learned about the way that God leads us to the Red Sea. You remember that? We said when God is leading us to the Red Sea, he leads us the long way. The other way, and from in front. I'm not going to go into all that, but that's again, you can get that and hear it. These are the ways that God leads us to the rest. And then we learned last week when we get to the Red Sea, and we find ourselves with one foot in the water and one on the land, with the enemy coming and nowhere to go. Then we begin to hear the instructions God has given Moses at that point. Those instructions are these: God says, "Don't be afraid." Well, we learned that we're going to be afraid. What was God saying? God was saying, do not let fear, I believe, God was saying, do not let fear immobilize you. Don't let fear keep you from doing what God is saying to do. Number two, that he was saying for them to stand still. That meant for them to stay out of it. Because so many times we try to take the ball and run. And God is saying, I'm about to do something. You stay out of it. Stand still. Number three, keep your eyes open so you can watch and record and remember how God saved you. And so here we are today, week three, looking at this working text in Exodus. Uh, let's let's say hypothetically at this point, you're an individual who's been here. This is your word. You've been tracking this now. Here we are on week three, and you say, Pastor, I've done I've, i I've, I've studied, I've prayed about the long way, the other way, the front way. I, I, have I've been praying and asking the Lord, been trying to be obedient and not be afraid and all these things you're saying, I stand standing still, keeping my eyes open. But here I still am because remember having said all this, we still haven't crossed the sea. We're still at the red sea. We still haven't gotten into the water yet. Am I right? And so this is, this is where we find ourselves, desiring to know what to do now. As we still haven't, we're still not in the, on the other side of the Red Sea. We're still in the same predicament that we've been in all along. So look at verse 15. At this point, the Lord says to Moses, why do you keep calling out to me for help? Tell the Israelites to move forward. Take that walking stick and hold it over the sea. The water will open up, make a road where they can walk through on dry ground. And I'll make the Egyptians so stubborn that they'll go after you. And then I'll be praised because of what happens to the king and his chariots and cavalry. The Egyptians will know for sure that I'm the Lord. Now, let me skip ahead to verse 21 before we start dissecting this. I want to show you what transpired because this is what the Lord, what I just read is what the Lord told him to do. But now let's talk about what happened as a result of that. Moses stretched his arm, verse 21, over the sea. The Lord sent a strong east wind that blew all night till there was dry land where the water had been and the sea opened up. And the Israelites walked through on dry land with a wall of water on each side. And the Egyptian chariots and cavalry went after them. But before daylight, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from a fiery cloud and he made them panic and their chariot wheels got stuck and it was hard for them to move. So the Egyptians said to each other, let's leave these people alone. The Lord's on their side and he's fighting against us. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch your arm toward the sea again, and the water will cover the Egyptians and their cavalry and their chariots. So Moses stretched out his arm at daybreak. The water rushed toward the Egyptians, and they tried to run away, but the Lord drowned them in the sea. And the water came and covered the chariots and the cavalry and the whole Egyptian army that had followed the Israelites into the sea, and not one of them was left alive. But the sea made a wall of water on each side of the Israelites, and they walked through on dry ground. I mean, when you read that, there's only one one word I can think of to describe what we just read. Wow. I mean, wow. What if you what if you're in the middle of all that? Wow. This what we've got here is the culmination of all the storms and the deserts and the fearful circumstances. That we've been going through. Think about these people. These are the same ones that. Just a little bit ago, just yesterday, they were so afraid and so confused and so helpless. And now suddenly they find themselves at the end of our reading on the other side of all of it. Closer to the promised land than they've ever been. I thought to myself when I studied this, what a change a few hours can make in our life when it's God that's doing our promoting and protecting and providing instead of us trying to do our own. It's just a few hours from the moment that God gives instructions, the enemy's closing in, they're standing on the edge with nowhere to go, thinking this is the end of our lives, hugging their kids, gathering them together, I love you. Can't believe we're going out this way, right? We're going down, I don't know what we're going to do. Here they are, they're gathered, and a few hours later, they go from that to they're on the other side of the Red Sea. They're looking back at the Red Sea, and all of the enemies that chase them are dead. Just like we finished last week by saying, this enemy will never bother you again. They found that to be true on that day within the space of a few hours. Desperation, a few hours later, the enemy is dead and will never even see that enemy again. Now, that's great, isn't it? This is where a lot of people would slow down and preach and we'd shout and we'd have a big time. And I'm all for that, except for I want to give you something that's going to do you more good than jumping around and waving a hanky. Although I'm all about I'm good with that. I want to give you something when you walk out of here this week that's going to help you cross the Red Sea. So. You can only imagine this camp meeting that's taken place on the other side of the Red Sea. And all of us in this room that have been going through the desert and have been at the Red Sea. Are looking forward to the day that we are over there shouting and worshiping and praising God for the victory. But what happened? I I want you to get the picture week one and two. The six things I gave you in those first two weeks Let's let's take you hypothetically in your situation, your circumstance. Let's say you've been following this word for the last two weeks and everything we've been telling you each week, you've been doing it. But guess what? You've been doing it, but you're still on this side of the Red Sea. We read about what's going to happen. But we hadn't crossed over yet. So what are we going to do now that we have heeded the words of the last two weeks and we are putting these things into play? We're doing the best we can with it. Yet we still find ourselves today with one foot in the water and one on the sand. An enemy still coming. And this is not any doesn't look like it's any closer to being done than it did Thursday or last Monday or the week before. So what are we going to do? What happens between all the instructions that we've been given and water actually moving? That's what I want to talk to you for a few minutes about. Something happens after Moses gives the people the commands. Apparently, Moses goes into a serious prayer meeting. It's not recorded in Scripture. You can read the story and it's not there. But apparently, he goes into this prayer meeting as any leader would, having gathered three million people together who are desperate and told them, everybody settle down, it's cool. Don't be afraid. All right. Everybody stand still and stay out of it. Yeah, right. Keep your eyes open. Yeah, right. And i not keeping their eyes open. they got them squinting just as high as they can, praying, crying, right? Right? So Moses is doing the best and using his influence to gather people together, settle them down, tell them, I don't know how, God hasn't told me how, but God has said he's going to deliver this enemy, and this is the last time we're going to see him. Everything's going to be cool. Moses puts that word out to these people, and then he starts praying. Because what if God don't? He's just spent the last several minutes telling these folks, God's got this. What if the water don't move? What if something miraculous doesn't happen? What, what if? What would you do if you're the leader and you've got 3 million people counting on you and you've just told them, here's what God says. We're all going to have faith. Hang on. Everybody just stand here a minute. Keep your eyes open. What you going to do now until water moves between what you just told them and water moves. You may not go off to by yourself and kneel down, but you're standing with your eyes open. You're grinning at them, And in your head, you're going, oh, God, oh, Jesus, Jesus, help us in Jesus name and help us do something. Do something now. I'm smiling. I'm going to hold him off as long as I can. Right. Moses starts praying. I know he starts praying because of what the Lord says to him, which is the first point I'm going to give you today. Verse 15 God says to Moses, stop praying and start moving. How are we going to get from here to there? God says to Moses, I've heard you calling out to me for prayer. It's done. I am. I am helping you. You prayed. I heard you. I'm working. I've got this. I know what's going to happen. You don't. So stop praying and start moving. And I wonder for some of us, is it time for us to stop asking God for help and realize he's already given it and start moving out of this circumstance? I wonder what would have happened if those people would have done what so many of us would do, and that is he gives the instructions, Moses starts praying, they start praying. I mean, they're dropping to their knees. Water starts rolling back. But they're not paying attention because they're praying. Right? They pray all night long while the water stands in walls. And the next morning they get up and they dry their eyes. They say, okay, God help us. And God said, I did all night long. And you missed it. You prayed all night instead of walking across on dry land. Now the Egyptians are it's their turn to get out there. What are you saying? Pastor, you're saying sometimes we pray too much? I'm saying we should always pray. We pray fervently, urgently. We, in, all, in all situations, we pray all of that. But I'm saying sometimes we need to stop praying and start moving. If God has told you, given you instruction, he says, here's what you need to do. And you stand there with the foot in the water, one on the sand, and God says, okay, good. I heard you. Roll. You're like, well, no, the water's still there. Go ahead. No, the water's still there. Something to think about, huh? Because I think for some of us, it is easier to keep crying than it is to start moving. So we pray until he answers and then we stop praying and we start doing what he said do verse 16 the second one he told moses work with the tool that i have given you for moses that's a stick it's just a common stick he picked up a stick way back he picked up a stick back in the desert took it with him he took the stick with him into the presence of pharaoh he took the stick in the in, the, in there the day that the that all the magicians threw their sticks down they became snakes he took that stick and threw it down and became a snake too and ate all theirs. It's the same stick that he used later on to strike a rock and water came out. But there's something I gotta tell you about the stick. There's nothing extraordinary about the stick. It's just a stick. It's nothing more than just a stick. People would see people and they'd say, Let me hold that stick. Wow, that thing is amazing. No, there's it's I figured this thing would be gold plated. I figured when I touched it, there'd be all kinds of power emanating. It's just a stick. What are you trying to say? Whatever the tool is that God gave you to work with is just a common thing. But when he puts his anointing on it, it becomes something altogether different. I'm saying to you that God has placed within all of our lives something that we have become proficient with. Something, whether it was good or bad. Listen to me for a minute. I'm talking to somebody here today that, 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 that they spent the better part of their life in a terrible place without the lord and bound by addictions but because but because god set them free and broke off those addictions of their life of drugs alcohol whatever it might be that has become a tool now for them to be able to use there's nothing powerful about being able to tell somebody i've been a drunk for 25 years But there is something powerful about being able to tell somebody I was a drunk for 25 years. God saved me, healed me, set me free, cleaned me up, filled me with the Holy Ghost, and put me in the ministry. That's extraordinary. So whatever it is that God has given you, whatever that stick is that you picked up. I'm telling you, we all pick up something down the road in our life that we... That we like to just, we're that way. We're creatures that we just want to have something in our hands it makes us secure. I learned years ago that the best way to do small gatherings was to always provide drinks and finger foods because people want to have something in their hands. Put me in a situation with a lot of different people and let me have something. I don't care about having anything to eat. I just want to have something in my hands. So we're always going to pick something up as we're going through life. We pick something up. Somebody picked up An education. God's going to use that education. Somebody got blessed and they picked up some money along the way. Somebody picked up some influence. Somebody picked up a miracle. They were sick. The doctor said you're going to die. God healed them. And now they've got a powerful testimony. They picked up a testimony. Just an ordinary thing, isn't it? Just ordinary things. Yet when we put them in God's. Hand and he anoints them, they become very powerful, like the stick that Moses is about to use. Whatever this thing is, it's time to use it. It's what you've learned how to have command of. And God says to Moses, This happens to, for you, it just happened to be a stick. So take hold of that stick. And stretch your hand, where at? Over the distraction and start parting water. What is that thing that God gave you that doesn't seem like much, but yet you've used it over and over in your life? This is the thing God is going to use to part water. So take your hand and begin to hold it over the water. With that common thing at the end of it that has been committed to God. And water will start moving. Hadn't moved yet, but it's going to start moving now. And then thirdly, verse 15 said that. God told Moses, move everyone that's under your influence Forward. Tell them to start moving now. Can you imagine when God, or when, when God says this to Moses and Moses says, okay, hang on a second. And he runs up to the front of the line to the guy that's the closest to the water. The one that says his feet, his feet are in the water and the guys are pushing behind him. And he goes up to him he says, okay, it's cool. God said go. Well, <laughs> I don't think so. Let's give God a few minutes here. There's some folks that are still praying. God says we're done praying. God says I'm going to take this stick and I'm going to hold it over the water. And the water's going to part. It hadn't parted yet. But he said for y'all to go ahead. It's quiet in here today, isn't it? Pastor, I don't want to go well. I want to wait. I want to wait until this is safe. And God is saying to you today, don't wait For perfect conditions. To do what he's telling you to do. Safe is not faith. Safe is not the way God opens up water. God opens water in faith. Stretch that hand out and then use the influence that you have. How hard would it have been for a mama standing at the edge of that water with her baby when the pastor said, go ahead, hon, step on. God's going to move the water. And she says, I'm just going to trust God. And she stepped out. And when she did, water moved. So many of us spend our lives waiting for water to move before we go. And God says, I don't move water till you get in it i don 't move water till you get in it i didn't tell the the, the, the congregation in the first the first sermon i didn 't tell them this, but it struck me it came to me I remember from studying where, where that um, one of the times that the that the Israelites had to cross the river they crossed at a time where the waters were very high and the the Lord told the the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant to go. And I remember studying that and, and the way that that came out was those guys walked into water. In fact, it said that they stepped off of banks and that they knew with that heavy weight on their back that if the water was there when they went down, they were going under. But they ended up jumping out, four, four guys with an ark on their back jumped off of a bank into water over their head and when they hit the ground, the waters rolled back sometimes this is the way you're going to get to the other side. Safe won't get you to the other side. Those that said, I hated the desert. I hated the desert. Then I got to the Red Sea and I wished for the desert. Huh? And now the pastor says, and now I got to jump in the water. Carrying my kids and my stuff. He's saying, we got to go ahead and jump. Moses says something's going to happen and he don't know what. He's going to hold his stick over the water, but he don't know what, but he's saying for us to go. God is saying you got to go. Move and move everybody in your influence and he'll take care of the details. You can't we learn that from the desert. We have to obey in faith when God says. And so we start moving and we start using the stick And God starts moving the water, and then God speaks again. And he says three things. You'd think that this would be a comfort at this point. Part of them are. The first thing he says to them is, as they start moving, he says, I'm going to open up a road through the water. And they're like, awesome. This is good. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. He says that the farther we go, the water's going to open up, and he's going to make a road through it. And then he says, and by the way, before you shout... I'm going to make your enemy chase you down that road. It's in there, read it. And everybody just said, oh, that's not revival. That is not what we signed. That's not camp meeting. We like the road through there for us, but we don't like the idea that they're going to go with us. I want you to notice that the road of deliverance will be your enemy's road to destruction. Because God can use the same thing to say that he uses to defeat. And then he said the third thing he says, and I am going to be praised for what I will do here by both friend and foe. That means God is saying when I get done, everybody, the ones that like me and the ones that don't, they're all going to know that I'm God and I did this. And that's all they get right there. He finally coaxes them into getting in the water. They go, water's starting to move. And he says, okay, I'm going to open a run the good. Now I'm going to send him with you. No. And then he says, I'm going to get glory with this. And they say, well, we don't care if you get glory for this God. Because they're still with us out in the middle of this, ocean, of this sea with water on either. This is not good. Don't we question that way? Some of you say, this guy's sacrilegious. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, I'm being honest with you. I know how you pray. I know how you pray sometimes. God set me free. God set, set me free. God, destroy this enemy. And God said, I'm going to, but they're going to hang on your back for a little while. They're going to chase you a little while. And then I'll destroy them. I'll destroy them when I, when I absolutely have to and when I'm going to get all the glory and you can't. Look at verses nineteen, twenty. All this time, you remember this now, all this time God's angel had gone ahead of Israel's army, but now he moved behind him, and the large cloud had always gone ahead of him. You remember that? We talked about it. Always, stay, always keep the cloud in front of you, right? Because it's the presence of God. Don't ever get in front of the cloud, and don't ever find the cloud on the side of you. Always make sure the cloud's in front, because that way you're in the right place, so you, that way you watch and you follow. This is the only time. We see this happening right here. It moves between the Egyptians and the Israelites, and the cloud gave light to Israel, made it dark for the Egyptians. During the night, they couldn't come any closer. Notice these two observations. And we are getting close to being done. The only time that it was okay for the people to get in front of God was when God decided to get behind them. And he got behind them per his choice so that he could protect them and coax them. He got behind them at a time in their life where they had nowhere else to go but forward. So they didn't need to be led. They didn't have to have anybody in the front of that thing saying, you might want to move it. I'm telling you, the first guy that stepped out and the water started moving and realized he couldn't go back against three million was busting a move to get to the other side. Didn't nobody have to tell him, you might want to keep on rolling because this could come in at any time. Am I right? So God looks at the situation. and He says, these guys got enough sense, even as dumb as they are. They got enough sense to know they don't want to bog down in the middle. So I don't have to lead them over there. I'm going to get back here and protect them while they go across. So the presence moved behind them just for a minute. But as soon as they get to the other side, guess where the presence goes? Goes back to the front to lead them on when it's time to go. And the second thing I want you to notice as you observe this, I want you to notice this about this. Is that the same cloud shined light for the Israelites, which gave them light to go across through the night. But the same cloud that is shining light on the backside is shining, is is emanating utter darkness so that the enemy can't see anything. And in a panic state, they have to wait in the night While the enemy is going across, while Israel is going across, the enemy is having to wait behind the cloud because they can't see anything to go anywhere else. This is God's way of his same spirit while is delivering someone is protecting them against someone too. The same spirit that whips the devil protects you. Look at verse 28. Water came, covered the chariots. Egyptians follow them in the sea. All of them drowned. But the waters walled up on either side. The only way I can really explain that is if you've ever been to one of those aquariums where you walk through the shark tank. Have you ever done that? You ever walk through one of those rooms, and they're on both sides and over you, and you can stand there and watch them swim over the top of you? I mean, that's kind of cool. Now, that didn't happen here. They didn't go over them, but I think, but how cool would it have been to be one of those three million walking through? And because the light is so bright, you're walking through, and you got a wall of water, and you look over, and you like, oh, wow, there's a shark. I mean, he's like, right there. I don't think there's probably sharks in that water. Do you? Some of you smart folks tell us what was in that Red Sea. I know they had reeds in the Red Sea. But whatever kind of fish and whatever kind of creature was in that sea, wonder if they could see it swimming around as they're walking through. And I'm talking about with a wall that may be 25 feet high. Our gym over there is 33 feet to the top. Imagine just a little bit shorter than that. Or maybe that high. The wall of water being that high and you're 5 feet, 6 feet tall. And you're walking through looking up like this but you're walking on dry ground look at the conclusion of the red sea experience these people they, they were so tired they're so afraid they're upset they're confused they've been through the desert they've been at the red sea trap and finally, they, they make their way to the other side. And verse 30 says, On that day when the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the shore, they knew the Lord had saved them because of the mighty power he would used against the Egyptians. And the Israelites worshipped him and trusted him in his servant Moses. And this is our conclusion. And I want you to hear this. If you've been asleep for the last few minutes, wake up. Because this is, this, this is the conclusion. Those of you that were here week one, been, we are fixing to tie this thing together. These verses right here tell us. That at the conclusion of this. When they got to the other side. Three things had happened. They knew what God had done. You could see it. It's right there. They worshipped God. And they trusted God. And his servant Moses. So this whole experience. Of Having been freed then led through the desert then at the red sea this whole experience has made them they're they're different they're better and 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 because of this and it took all of this but because of all of this now they are ready to walk on the other side of the red sea closer to the promised land is this what god is doing In your Red Sea experience, well, absolutely, there's no question this applies to you, but this is what I want you to get, absolutely get. When we started this, we determined in week one that these people were doing three things. They were crying, blaming, and murmuring. Do you remember that? They were crying out to God. They were looking for somebody to blame. Who caused this? And they were were complaining or murmuring to anybody that would listen. And we said, we understand that because that's what we would do, right? We get in a real bad situation. Of course, we're going to cry out to God. We're going to figure out who who, who caused this mess. And and, and then we're going to complain until it gets right. Am I right? I want you to see what happens from this side of the Red Sea to that one. And why God lets you do it. People who had been crying, blaming, and complaining, now, Scripture says, are knowing, worshiping, and trusting. That's why. Now, on that side, they're saying, I know this was God that did this. Had to be God. Could nobody else have brought me through that desert. Nobody could have brought me through that wilderness. Nobody could have got me through that Red Sea. This had to be God. I know God is real. I know he loves me. I know he's for me. Only God could have done this. And they're worshiping. They're not crying anymore. They go from crying to knowing And now they're worshiping. On the other side over there is a worship center. Had somebody struck up a tambourine line on this side, they probably would have gotten rocked. They'd have stoned them. That was a group of folk back then that they knew how to throw rocks. They was some rock throwing folk back then now. A whole Old Testament full of learning how. I mean, if somebody would stroke up and, and Moses said, y'all start in and the young lady's dipping her toe and holding her baby and somebody's kind of pushing from behind and somebody says, oh, this is awesome and they start beating and somebody says, you're, this, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. To go from that mentality to on that side, then they say, now get the tambourines out. Now we're ready to worship. And they're trusting. Over here, they didn't trust nobody. In the desert, at the Red Sea, they didn't trust God. They didn't trust Moses. They didn't trust each other. They didn't trust nobody. But after this, yeah, this is a God we could trust. You hate your desert and Red Sea experiences? Sure. But they happen for a reason. God is doing some amazing things in our lives by allowing us desert experiences and Red Sea circumstances. Amen. So let's pray. This is a good change. This Red Sea experience is just for my good. None of us like the desert. None of us like the storms. But when we get on the other side, we can we start understanding a little bit more about it. Lord, I I pray for us, myself included, Lord, all of us have been through seasons where we have cried and blamed and murmured. Thank you, Lord, which is so ironic now for us to be able to say, having crossed the Red Sea, thank you, Lord, for the desert and the Red Sea experience i'm so thankful lord to know that you're in control and i worship you and i trust you more now than i ever have in my life that's what god is teaching us three weeks of us drilling down i mean these haven't been these haven't been ice cream kind of Sundays, have they they've been get your steak knife out Get your dentures in there secured real good. So you can chew on this meat. Steak. God is doing a work in our lives. And many, many of you have been on that road of the storms in the desert. And now the Red Sea. It's time to cross over though. You've been crying and praying. It's time to start marching. It's time for somebody here to stop waiting for perfect conditions. You say, well, I've been, when this happens, I'll go. And God says, it's not up to you to tell me when you'll go. I'm not going to open Red Seas until I open Red Seas. When I open them, you better go then. God is saying, it's time for us to go. All of those of us today who would say, wow, this has been my series. Today has been my word. God has spoken to my heart. I'm just ready to get this in my spirit. I would say to you today, the difference between the last two weeks and today is this. When we pray today, I'm not going to ask you to come and talk to God. Today, I'm going to ask you to come and hear from God. Up to this point, we've been crying, praying. We need to be hearing today because God may be saying, stop praying and start moving take that ordinary thing and hold it over with water and it'll start parting water and go ahead and step out use your influence to make something happen I'm with you this is over let's move on to the other side so when Neil leads us in this song this has been your word this has been your series and I want you to find yourself a place to pray around these altars all around this building when you get where you're going I just want you to open yourself up to the Lord and say God I receive all of this word and I'm going to sit here for the next few minutes and let you talk to me and he may not tell you everything but he's going to he is going to impress upon you in your heart enough to get you into the water he may not tell you about the end result but he will say enough to you today to get you to go ahead and put your foot in the water a little deeper and to start moving Are you ready? Come and let's pray for a little while. God bless you all.